I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Second Take Podcast. I'm Sebastian. I'm Alex. And I'm Zane C. Weber. And today we are reviewing Zodiac. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal, who cares? Mark Ruffalo, Anthony Edwards, Robert Downey Jr., Brian Cox, and Arthur Lee Allen. Written by James Vanderbilt, sure, <laughs> and directed by David Fincher. What did I say about typing out the notes? I have the me. handwriting of a sophisticated foreign doctor. It's fine. Welcome back, children. How are we today? Don't pretend hey, you're calm, Seb. I'm as good. calm as I need to be. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy Seb. I've what had... did you just say? <laughs> you said children. So... I've had Daddy that was... Seb. That was unnecessarily creepy. Yep. I'm I'm surprised at how shocked I am. <laughs> Nothing surprises me anymore. Oh. But that's because I'm. As calm Scar- as a cucumber. Scarred for life. Can I just point out that cucumbers are <laughs> disgusting? I don't know what the appeal is. A lot like, of I guess water. you put them in a fridge and they feel quite chilly when you bite into them. But How are you eating cucumber? <laughs> you don't just bite into it like a banana. That's not how you eat one. Why not? People can do that. And then you, you can. You can, but that's not a pleasant way to do it. <laughs> what Maybe I prefer if you dip it into hummus first. Sure. Now it looks like a penis. <laughs> Covered in <laughs> hummus? Well, like, okay, kind of like a, like if you, if you use, and hear me out here, if you use your imagination. <laughs> if you use your imagination if you make enough, it look like a penis and you in imagine your brain, a penis, then everything looks like a penis. I was having a really calm podcasting experience until just now, Zane. I don't know what you've done, but I'm unhappy with you. So we are. We are reviewing a, a, a pretty mature movie for this group right now uh, oh, called yep. Zodiac. Do you guys want to start off with some uh, L trivia? I believe yeah, yeah. The, you have a really in a fakey. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. You could say that if I wasn't being as calm as I am. Perhaps I have a fakey than a really. I guess only time, time will tell. I don't know if, if you think that you sound calm, but you, you, you're just talking normally. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You're good. I'm so calm. I'm glad. All right. So uh, Mark Ruffalo, by choice, is found eating in mostly every scene that he is in in this film. And to the contrary, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is a pretty strong vegetarian and in all of his scenes would not be consuming actual meat depending on whether it was one of the dishes he was in. Wait, wait, can you repeat that last one? Jake Gyllenhaal is a vegetarian and wouldn't consume any meat during the making of the film and he was in a couple of eating scenes. Ah. Ah, yeah, you said in the dishes he was in first. Oh, dishes he was eating, sorry. Dishes he was eating in the scenes he was in, yeah. 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 Um, I I know Ruffalo's a vegetarian. Do you now? Is that true, does it say? Tell us how true that fact is. But... You're saying Gyllenhaal's a vegetarian. Am I? Who knows? It's really your fakey. Nope. You messed it up, didn't you? No. <laughs> because I've read the facts that are written down on my sheet. Because <laughs> uh, there are a couple of scenes where Ruffalo's eating. Are they now? But not all of them. I didn't say all of them. You said most of them. Most of them, but not all of them. <laughs> that, I'm, gonna, I'm saying that's the fake one. All right, Zane. Uh, <laughs> he just... Yeah, it's fine. You go. Wait, That's which one did you say was fake? Most like, if he's in ten scenes, yeah. he's eating in seven to nine of them. Most of them, the majority, but not all. Well, I'm going to say one. that Gyllenhaal's not. 
Are you guys saying the same thing? But you're just... <laughs> I'm saying Gyllenhaal is not a vegetarian. Yeah, and you're saying that the other one is true. So you, you are saying the same thing, yeah. right? Okay. Well, you're both correct. Um, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is not a vegetarian. Mark yeah. Ruffalo is. In all the scenes that he was eating, he would either be spitting out the food, like when he wipes oh. his face in scene because he won't swallow the meat. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, the only animal he ate in the actual film was the animal crackers he was handed in like five scenes it's by his partner. Animal. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was eating and like apart from the scene where he was woken up in his house by Jill and Hall in the middle of the night, he's literally eating something in every one of his scenes. His oh. partner, every time before he retired, every time he got into the car with him, would just hand him a box of animal crackers. Like every <laughs> scene. I was watching and I was like, is he eating in every And he was apart from the one that he was woken up in. But the one where he gets woken up, they then go to a diner. To have a chat in the middle of the night and he's eating again. Oh yeah. Like he's yeah, like eating not? in every scene. The like, one where Gyllenhaal meets him outside the courthouse or whatever. He's holding the- he's holding uh half a sandwich in his hand. Like he's got food wow. in every scene. It's really weird. Oh uh, look, I've been in a musical where I had to do that. It wasn't it wasn't great. You wouldn't eat the whole day. Because <laughs> you're always eating all the time. Oh, so much food. <laughs> Singing with a strawberry in your mouth is really hard. <laughs> All right, anyone have any actual facts? Um, I know that... Uh, so Fincher didn't want to... Didn't want it to be... Wanted to be as accurate as possible. So he didn't, he didn't portray any of the murders or any of the crime scenes unless there was an actual living witness or survivor that could attest... To the accuracy, so that that's something that I appreciated. But also, after the film was released, the case was reopened. Hmm. Yep, and so we all know that it's Ted Cruz now. Ah, Ted Cruz, the political candidate. Oh yeah, he he was re- running for president, but you know, yeah, it's like this is Lion Ted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So. Really? Yeah. No, no not really. He's still an, he's still no. an active politician. No, no, no. He just he looks like a serial killer. To be fair, is that Dur- slander? Dur- <laughs> during the can during the the um, candidacy runs the the preliminaries, uh, there was uh, several internet memes saying that he was the zodiac, zodiac killer. <laughs> right. Don't joke about stuff like that because I will take that for. <laughs> this and I will tell everyone. I can't believe more people don't know that he was the serial killer. No, um, one that I read that was really funny was because the film, obviously it's a long film. I think it came at like 2.45, did it? Yeah, so? something like that. Um, the script is about 200 pages long and general rule is one page equals one minute, yeah? Yeah. It's a bypass cutting scenes. David Fincher literally just got them to read the lines faster. Still faster. So it wouldn't be one minute per page. It could get like two minutes uh, one minute per two pages or so. That's why the pace of speaking is so fast in this film because they actually had to for the running time of the film, which I think is a hilarious way of getting around that. Because it does set it on, it does send it to like a subconscious pacing for the film. Like it feels yeah, fast, yeah. even though it's not. It is not. But imagine if they had gone normal pace, same film, everything happens the same way, but suddenly you're there for what, four one, and a half hours. Yes, and all that. <laughs> it didn't, it wasn't four hours. No, well, 200 pages would have been, what, 60, 120, 180, yeah. two hours, three, three hours, 20? Yeah. So that's still ridiculous. But, yeah, any more yeah. actual facts? Um, Fincher wanted Brad Pitt. Because he... gave it to Johnny Jr. Fincher did seven, right? Was yeah. that the right guy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he probably just wanted him from seven, I guess. But yeah. That's fine. I, I, I do like Brad Pitt in that film. I do think the director and him worked to get well together. Yeah. But I think Robert was... Fine, I guess. I don't know. We could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have. Um, other than some weird things like uh, Fincher added, like all the blood was added digitally. To speed up production, I think it yeah. was, yeah. Um, but he also added like uh, hair to the back of Jake Gyllenhaal's hands during the scenes where he's writing because his hands were too pretty. Okay. Okay. Like that's okay. All right. Just hide my hands on the table, I guess. Yeah, you filthy orangutan. (laughs) Italian. It's pronounced Italian. (laughs) Filthy orangutan. Uh, Look, you've got nothing on Robin Williams, so we'll forgive you. Good. Had. I guess. So yeah. Wait. So he does now. No, well, Robin's. You know, not at the party anymore. What is going? 
He's no longer at the party. What? He left. Which party? At the the party, party of life. life. <laughs> Robin Williams isn't dead. You mean Robin Williams the actor, not Robbie Williams the pop sensation, right? <laughs> Wait, which one's dead? Robin Williams. No. Really? Is this a, is this a bit? Because it was pretty it's a bit, public. I know, yeah, I, I was know. Like, I, was, I was devastated when it happened. Yeah. I'm still pretty devastated now. No, it's not great, is it? You look pretty happy. I don't believe you. I'm, I'm really happy that you bought into my, my uh, shock. I'm mostly an actor. All right, babies. Yeah, yeah, babies. Oh, is it babies or tweets first? <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't. You're right, babies. But there is an order, right? It's babies. babies. Okay, sure. You go. I'm going to go with seven for obvious reasons. Met across with seven all movies. the all the. Pa- have you not seen seven before? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> seven babies. He's got seven babies. Seven seven parents to Wait, babies. Have you seen seven before? No. Gonna, next time we get a next time we get a spare week, I'll pick that because you should see that movie. <laughs> it's a bit late for Alex. Like, for fuck's sake! <laughs> Usually it's two, sometimes. Three. Occasionally, if we're feeling special, four, <laughs> but really rarely. No, okay. I've got Fincher's film Seven. Sure. Um, the John Doe character being as mysterious as he is, kind of similar to the way that they play the Zodiac in this film, mixed with. All the paperwork scenes from Hot Fuzz run that for feature length a long time alongside Ugh. each other, and you get that. Okay, I have a similar combination. Uh, mine is Silence of the Lambs mixed with Spotlight. Which one was Spotlight again? Spotlight was the Oscar Oscar winner two years ago. It was about the the journalist oh, investigation. The, yep. No, oh. Ruffalo. Ruffalo was in it. Oh, it no, was yeah, the investigation yeah. into the Catholic sex crimes. I was thinking about Nightcrawler, which yes. was the Hall one. Yeah. And then you said Spotlight, and I immediately thought about the drumming one, which was Whiplash. My God, there's so <laughs> many two-syllable, long-titled Oscar winners, weren't there? Uh, I don't think anyone would get those particular films mixed up. <laughs> Nightcrawler, Spotlight, Whiplash. I could believe they were part of a trilogy if I hadn't seen any of them. <laughs> okay. Have you seen you've seen them? You've I've seen, seen them. Nightcrawler? No. Nope. Spotlight? No. And you haven't seen Whiplash? Apparently not. Well done. Well done, <laughs> you film podcast host. <laughs> we're here to review the movies that we're talking about. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Alex? I've just changed my mind. Oh, oh no. Good. No, no, this is good. Spotlight. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's it's really good. It's got Michael Keaton in it, Mark Ruffalo. I've heard amazing things about all three of these movies. I just haven't made the move on them. I'm waiting for yeah. them to make a move on me. I'm not a, I'm not a sort of slut. You might have to. They'll buy the me dinner. <laughs> no, they'll buy me dinner, and <laughs> no, then we'll talk about it. The first move. I to... am putting out for some Hollywood bitch. Wow. Probably. <laughs> Firstly, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on. What's your other um, one? Yeah. What's my other one? Um, it's not Hannibal. It's the one where he's like Red Dragon. Yes. Yes, Red Dragon. That's the one with Ralph Ray Fiennes? Yeah. Is it? It's, it's, yeah. The, it's the prequel to Silence of the Lambs. Yes. I remember that one being mostly okay, but it was obviously nothing's going to compete like, with Silence, but I remember that being the better of the other ones. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good. It was yeah. a good movie. Hmm. Hannibal's the one where it's like really young, yeah? No, Hannibal is where is after Silence of the Lambs. Hannibal's the one where he's chasing Edward Norton? Or is Edward Norton in Red Dragon? Edward Norton is, no, in Manhunter. No. No. Manhunter was the original one that Silence was based True. on. True. Yep. Yes, that's right. Yes, Edward Norton is in Red Dragon. Okay, I've yeah. seen that one. Yeah. I haven't seen Hannibal, but I've heard bad things. Right. Hannibal's the one where he's in Rome. I have seen yeah. that one. Yeah. Jess always watches these things and I just kind of walk in and out of the existence in the house. Once again, yeah. congratulations on being a film podcast host. <laughs> 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 Movies happen around me and I get, I get, I get them by osmosis. <laughs> Which is not true because all Jess watches is Cat in the Hat, The Grinch, and Matilda. <laughs> Kid you not, hand to my fucking heart, if I were to go home right now during this recording, one of those three would be on. If it's a special day, maybe Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but it's probably not. <laughs> it's never a special day. Oh, good. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a good mix. Because, again, I would say that Spotlight is less dry than this particular film. Yeah, because you've seen Spotlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Thoroughly so enjoyed it too. It's uh, <laughs> it does have a lot of like 
interview kind of paperwork kind of scenes. Yeah. But, but it does have a that, lot of payoff and kind of... That high investigative... Development yeah. and finally a conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Which is what's, what's missing from this particular film. If you... Well, if you watch it rather than infer from it. Yeah. I, th- I, uh, I think the problem with this film is that it is so based on life and it's more like a dra- dramatization of yeah. fact rather than an actual rather than a story based on true events. Yeah. So I think Fincher lost a lot of what he had in Seven by trying to be so accurate in this particular film. I mean, I'll argue during the review, I do think the real fear from this comes from the realism though. Like, I don't know, I don't enjoy horror movies. I know you kind of do, and I know you really do, Alex, but I also get lost when, like, Freddy Krueger is just carving people up. I'm like, oh, it's gory, but it's also That's very unrealistic for me. It's just cool. Yeah. yeah, whereas this film, for me, but we'll talk about it when we get into it, but some of these scenes really shake me up during them because of the realism. So I'd say that ambiguity at the end for me was a strong point, but I guess we, like, we can get to that when we get to it. Do you mean, like, when, um, like, this is... Like getting a bit further on in the film, where Jake has um, gotten to a point where he goes to this guy's house, and he's inside the house, and is like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we've we've got like solid evidence, like this guy's handwriting." And um, then the old guy's like, "No, he never uh, wrote any of the posters. That that's my handwriting." And then, like, the look on Jake's face is just like, "Holy fuck, where am I?" Like, that's an incredible scene. And then, Very tense. And then he's like, yeah, I've got samples down in the basement or whatever, what, however it progresses down into the dank basement. And there was and that he, throwaway line like, earlier that they're pretty sure Zodiac has a basement and they're like, oh, that's yeah. good because, you know, there's only Not like... many houses have basements. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, just like runs out of the house. That scene and, is an absolute masterpiece. But even for me, like... The realism comes yeah. through. Like the first couple of killing scenes we get with Zodiac, they freak me out. I'm really not comfortable watching them. It really puts me on edge and I don't enjoy them. And I just, I do enjoy them from a visceral standpoint, but I just want them to be over because I'm so uncomfortable with them. And that's, it's a very rare day that a film does that to me. The last time I felt that uncomfortable during a shooting scene was, oh God, American Horror Story. We spoke about this during the Frighteners review, but American Horror Story, the first season, um, Evan Peters plays a character who goes into a school and shoots uh, yeah, so yeah, many kids yeah. and there's a scene in the library and it is I, oh, just it does me in and I get this such, a, such a similar reaction to all the killing scenes in this film. But, yeah, I don't know, I liked the groundedness of it and not knowing who the killer is officially, like with the ending, how it goes. yeah. That works for me in a sense that this is an unsolved case. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that's the fear of it all. Like, we're all we're, we're nice, pretty, and safe in Australia, very far away from this storyline. But it's also the kind of thing that can just happen anywhere at any time, sort of thing. And being that level of real really drives it home for me. So, I mean, I mean, we all want an ending. I get that, but I can deal without it, one because not- it's scary for me. At no point in this film, like that one scene, it is very tense, but it it really feels like they're pushing for this this assumption that the zodiac is one person. Yep. Whereas if you if you read outside of this movie, there are a lot of a lot of evidence that could be copycats because it was so much involved in the media, it could be more than one person, it could be a few different people on a few different dates and then, yeah, prison mm-hmm. times and it's all very ambiguous. Um, I wouldn't class this as a horror movie. I was no. never... It's, and I, it's barely even, barely a thriller because it, it it's more for me about the process of how they went through this experience with, oh, yeah, with I, the newspaper. I took this... Uh, Took this as a like straight up crime drama. Yeah, like, yeah, it's much more, yeah, much like, more that yeah. than a than than a thriller or suspense or anything like that. Because until the very end, there's no real stakes. No, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I just think that when those stakes are introduced, 
it really ramps it up. Like this is a film that is very mechanical and not very emotional for 95% of it. Mm. But when it you're drawn in and you're there for such a long duration of time, getting the story dripped into your mouth bit by bit, to have that little end bit for me is such a big holy shit sort of reaction because it was so unlike everything else we got, but it also didn't feel inorganic. Like it was all earned and that's what got me there towards the end. Uh, if and if... If anything, I feel like if it could have been, it would have been over-earned. Like they really spoon-fed a lot of this stuff and went over a lot of the stuff more than once. And it really, at about the one hour mark, or one hour, one hour 20, is kind of like, okay, I've heard all of this. Um, Especially when it kind of switches over from Downey Jr. as being kind of one of the main guys straight into... Chillenhall taking it over, that kind of re-examination of everything that they've gone through and this one new detail that then leads them to re-examine everything, that kind of got repetitive mm. for me. So I, I I did find myself switching off. I um, was able to bear with that only because the film went from giving us everything in passing, like we're picking up on all these little facts. Like, for example, we mentioned the, the part about the basements not being very common. Yeah, That line isn't really said to the audience it's a passing line in a scene that's about something else it's just something that we all happen to have remembered and then yeah. Hall reminds us with his line of not many people have a basement but everything in the first almost half of this film is i don't want to call it subtext it's not but with the within the layer of being spoken to the audience and in front of the audience that's where we get the differences and when the Hall takes over we're having an actual character that we're allowed to follow that's actually receiving all the information and is given a proper chance to respond to it and have the questions that we would have. So it is repetitious, but also the tonal change for me makes it work because the whole context has now changed from us being present in the room during the information being said to having the information explained to us. Like I, I, there is repetition there, but for me that tonal difference makes it all the world different. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Agreed. Mm. Lots of noises. Agree to disagree. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you guys want to just focus in on something? Let's. Well, what do you guys love about this film, or would you like about it? If I don't want to speak, put words into your mouth. What stood out for you is that that scene that I was describing earlier with the um, going inside of the house and um, just like the the realness and the tension that you actually feel of him being there because he's been getting those phone calls and. It's just been like heavy breathing and then he goes to this house and then he's just like like scrambling for the door and it won't open and then the guy appears. He's hearing people door. upstairs but the guy's yeah. like no one else lives here though, which like, nothing came off. It was just creepy though. Yeah. I and think like, I think the real impact of that scene comes from it being total blindside. Yeah. Like he's there just following up some details and then all of a sudden he's in a room with the Zodiac. And we've had his partner warning him the yeah. whole time. Don't do this. He's going to come for you, and he's yeah. just been ignoring it. And this, is, this finally feels like that payoff, right? Yeah. yeah. And then he's locked yeah. in a house, and he's going down into a basement with him. So ugh. I'm gonna say credit to the casting for this film. That guy that he's in the basement with, I had trouble finding him in IMDb because I couldn't pinpoint his face. Yeah. But he is the perfect cast character <laughs> for me because he is the perfect blend between. He looks almost harmless, but he's just got almost a sinister twinge to him, right? Yeah, you're yeah. talking about Charles Fleischer, yeah? I assume so. I couldn't find him and I went through the list. Yeah. But yeah, he, I don't know what it was. He reminded me of like every elementary school teacher I've always hated, but also <laughs> so friendly looking at the same time. Like he looked like a harmless, almost elderly gentleman at the same time. Like you're looking at like, this can't be the guy that's killed so many people. He is a nothing, but he has that sort of dark side kind of parallel to him. Brilliant casting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he shouldn't have been threatening, but he was. Well, again, it's just kind of I think a a whole bunch of that is the change in tone of how it's shot and the lighting from when that kind of final pin drops and Gyllenhaal discovers that, oh, I should be scared now. Mm. And then the whole tone of how that, that scene is filmed yeah. Changes, um, and see, I got to say, props to Gyllenhaal. Like I, like best actor in this film. Yeah, my, I agree with you. My point of view. Um, I wanted it to be Ruffalo, but it was Gyllenhaal. Yeah, like yeah. Ruffalo would have been a very strong second contender, um, but 
Gyllenhaal, I, I think he just he sold it with his like intense like obsession with needing to know, um, and like the the, the behaviors and like I don't know, he just portrayed it really well, mm. um, and that when that pin dropped in that house, like that's I I just keep, I keep coming back to that scene because that that is the like the pinnacle of the movie for me. Yeah, Gyllenhaal also got a lot more screen time, so it's, yeah, it's a lot yeah, easier a lot to appreciate following. what he did um, when it comes to comparing him to the other two leading men, mm, yeah. Ruffalo and, and Downey Jr. I wanted to like Robert in this film, mm. but when he drops into alcoholism and disappears, yeah. pretty happy with that as well. Yeah. Like I was happy to lose him. Well, I was I was fine. I, I enjoyed his performances up until it got to that alcoholism part and I don't think he carried it through mm. um, to give any sort of resolution to that kind of character tying off. And I guess that's fine if it is just a dramatisation of reality. Mm. But I want to I watch a film. I yeah, no, I get you. Something yeah. that's scripted well and... Uh, has some sort of dramatic payoff. I do want to give props to Arthur, Arthur Lee Allen. He was the probable, probably Zodiac killer. Like the, the one in the factory? Yeah, yeah, like the one that we're pretty much told this is him at the yeah. end, but we're not. I, I've i seen him in a few things, yeah? And he's always been like, okay. I, I really know him mainly as, the, we spoke about this, the boss from Drew Carey. The, oh, the, <laughs> no, it's his brother, I'm pretty sure. It's um, Oh, no, you're right. Mr. Wick's the boss. That's Craig yeah. Ferguson. Yeah, it's his brother, the cross... Crossdresser, cross-dresser. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, I know him from that. He's a comedy actor; he's fine, but he really pulls off. I don't say sinister again, but he does. Like, I don't know where that came from, but he did so well with it. Like that, the scene where he's being interrogated in the factory, yeah, and like every single thing he's doing is ticking every box for <laughs> them, and he's just being so obstinate, I guess, to them. Yeah, it's a really good scene, and then when they um when he finally goes and visits him at the very end just so he can like look him in the eyes and you have that realisation between the two characters as well, he really sold me as, like I guess for lack of a better term, evil. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good from a guy who I've only seen do a throwaway gag bit in a 90s sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's just, you know, acting. No, but I'm saying it's such a great performance. Like I really picked up on it. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I really like Mark Ruffalo, but he was Mark Ruffalo in this film, which is fine. That's a good standard for him to have. I like it, but this guy just stepped the fuck up. It was I good. mean, that's the thing. Controversially, I think Mark Ruffalo is currently overrated. As Who rates him that high at the moment, apart from me just then? Well, a, a lot of people. He's getting, like, huge roles in, in lots of big movies. Like, Oscar winner, he was not... I, I think he won the Oscar for Spotlight. Um well, that sounds like he's perfectly rated. Then, or you don't agree with the Oscar? I don't agree. I don't. I think he's overrated. Mm. Um, I mean, I think he's a perfectly fine actor, but I, he's. I think he's playing a lot of roles that I could see someone like a Philip Seymour Hoffman chewing through, yep. whereas he's just playing through them. He does have a very calm quality to him, yeah. doesn't he? Which I, I really do like. I find him really endearing. Like in Shutter Island, he's my favorite thing of that film. Mm. Just because I was, I just find him like such a great character. I just want to follow him because he seems like such a, you don't know, he always just seems so lovely. Even yeah. when he's playing like Bruce Banner, he's just the most gentle person on set at any given time. And I haven't seen Spotlight, so I don't know if that carries through, but I can only assume it does because it's been in every movie I've seen him in. Like this is the movie I've seen him with the biggest balls. And even then, he still came across like a heart of gold. Yeah, this, this movie and Spotlight, uh, he has, plays a very similar character. Yeah. Um, just a journalist instead of a cop. Well, okay, what yeah. did you guys not like then? <sighs> Robert Downey Jr. Really? I can just, see that, yeah. It was Robert Downey Jr. Like, it was a he very did, similar he, to Tony Stark, but without all the money. And the fun. And, yeah. I found him <laughs> similar to his character in Chef. I don't think I've seen Chef. <laughs> so, yeah. Chef is a... John Favreau, yeah, John John Favreau, uh, film, and he plays his ex Favreau's ex wife's new husband, who runs like a, a shipping service or something, and he's the one that buys, it gives him the uh, food truck that is the 
plot point of the movie. And, yeah, he's really super smug and, yeah, not as an alcoholic, but, yeah, he reminded right. me a lot of that. Right. See, I would have thought it's going to sound really mean. I really don't mean it in a mean way. I would have thought him playing an alcoholic, being a method actor and being from where he's come from. Is he a method actor? I've, or does I've he read it a few a, times. So does he I, just play a lot of characters that are like him? Who knows? But <laughs> I would have thought playing a character who's struggling with something we know he has struggled with, he would have given a more meaningful performance. And maybe it's just it ended up on well, the cutting room there floor. There was no meaning to be had. What meaning could you come from it? Like that, that uh, maybe meaningful is the, the wrong word. Yeah. I it wasn't compelling. It to be more, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't interesting. But again, that's the script, not the actor. Oh, I'm, like I'm a, not trying to defend him. I also didn't find him very yeah. interesting in this film. I think his role could have been played just as well, maybe even better, by any number of other men. Uh, I was going to say I felt more yeah. transparent than I wanted it to be. Like, as in, not that I can see through him, but I mean, like, the role is so. I don't want to say he phoned it in. He didn't. You can tell he didn't. Yeah. But I also don't think he put both, you know, legs of his acting pants on when he did the job either. <laughs> Maybe he was wearing his acting jorts. Jorts of pants, sir. Yeah, but they're half pants. <laughs> he needed to wear his acting jeans. All right. Um, um, I also i i didn't appreciate I didn't appreciate the script. Um, it was really. I'll say it one more time. So one more time. Like it's really repetitive, uh, and. It didn't move and there was no conclusion and... When you say there was no conclusion, what... Like there was... In, within this film, I thought there was like a pretty definitive final answer of what was what. And then and then it opens up again after he, the film. The case. I mean, the film is the film. Like the film didn't give you an answer. It didn't give you any decisive... It, it laid out all the facts as they were and all the facts as they were did really push you in this one direction that maybe that's what it was but we'll never know. But I didn't feel like any of the characters were done with this story. Mm. I didn't feel like Ruffalo or Gyllenhaal, their characters were finished with this story. Either there was more happening after the end of this movie or it should have ended when somewhere else and have found a character point to end on. Mm. Um, for oh. me, the arcs seem like they're, they've gone up and they've gone through this process and then just as they're about to find their conclusion, the movie ends. I mean, I'm going to try and get a little bit artsy here, but I liked the ending purely because it opened with uh, the one attack and we have the survivor of that attack pinpoint the guy that kills him at the very end of the film. For me, it was very first page, last page, cohesion in the middle. We were pointed in one direction and we got confirmation from the character that opened the film. Oh, yeah. The like, movie is structured fine. It's just I don't find there's enough content, compelling content in the script or pre- enough content presented in a compelling way in the script to really interest me. Like okay. uh, uh, this is the second time I've watched this movie once to see what it was when it first came out mm. and once for the podcast and it's like, yeah, it, it was it was drudgery the second time. Yeah. How about you, Al? Anything stick out as super shit or um, bad? Your words? <laughs> Probably going back to visit Robert like after he's... You know, like when he's become like a hermit, basically, like a drunk. Oh, yeah. And he's like just in his flat or whatever. And he's like, well, really all that served was I don't care anymore. Or like you shouldn't care either, you know. Mm, like I agree. That could have been a phone call. Yeah. And that could have been. <laughs> a phone call off camera. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like it. it didn't need to really be there. I was more unhappy when he was with. The, he had the respirator in the bar. And then he was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, he's alive still? That's nice. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I mean, his character just, was annoying, I guess. Like, I agree with everything you said. But I guess his character was always annoying for me anyway. So he just yeah. got more annoying as time went on and more bitter and jaded. And I guess we've all known people that are kind of like that. Like they, they're kind of above the crowd, but you know there's just something horribly going on wrong with them because they're always, for lack of a better term, on show. 
Yeah. And then you get that crash sort of thing. Like, it makes sense. I get it. But ugh, yeah, yuck. Yeah. Um, I didn't like when it was it. I think it's Adam Goldberg. I think he's the actor. He shows up to replace Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm the exact same thing except less famous and <laughs> cut unnecessary. I didn't even know his job was filled. You're getting into my new show I do not care about. Yeah. Like I assumed his job was filled. No, I didn't. The question never came up because it was never relevant and it still isn't. So yeah. again, like that's that's just another piece of like needless real world trivia that didn't yeah. need to be in this movie. Like I don't need to be the guy to harp on about the length of this film. But like these are the bits you cut, right? Yeah. Like this is what you cut to <laughs> yeah. get it under two and a half hours, please. Maybe you could just talk faster. Oh. <laughs> Everything's in fast forward. Hey, before we move on to our verdicts, we actually never gave our tweet nopsis. Did anyone want to do you guys want to do that? Or we're we just like we're gonna let that ship sail? I can give a tweet nopsis. Yeah, I can do that. I'll kick it off with Robert Downey Jr. plays the darkest timeline version of himself as the boss from the Drew Carey show probably kills people. I I said the boss again because I wrote that the first time. It's the brother, but you, whatever. I'll fix it in post. I won't fix it. No one's fixing it. (laughs) Alex, uh, people get obsessed with finding a curial siller. A curial siller? A serial killer. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, we'll fix it in post. They never found. Uh, and then the brother from the Drew Carey show probably did it. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Um, no, I've got a hashtag. It's just really small. Hang on. That's what she's um, getting larger hashtag. That's what she said. Can you shut up? <laughs> Zeb? I can't. <laughs> I don't know hashtag how. for cancer, your detectiveness is not looking good. Get it? Because Zodiac. Oh, for God's sake. You're the worst. Zane, what was yours? Uh, someone's killing people. Who knows who's doing it? <laughs> Not the script writer. <laughs> Hashtag should have been shorter. <laughs> All right, well. Well, well yeah. <laughs> I feel like ending on that note is really revealing, but let's give out the, the verdicts here, guys. I'll go first. Sure. Zane, would you like to go first? Yeah, don't watch it. Don't watch it first time or second time. It's <sighs> this movie was trying to be Spotlight before Spotlight was a movie. Trying to show journalists as the heroes that they sometimes are. But I think in this movie it 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 doesn't get far enough. The story itself isn't compelling enough to get across what the what the writers slash director maybe wanted to get across or what something satisfying at least. I'm yeah, at the end of this movie, really unsatisfied. Not a not a huge fan of it at all. Uh, I don't think you need to watch it. I don't think it's it needs to be watched once. And I doubt I'll ever watch it again. All right, Alex. See, for me, this is a definite recommend. Um, I can. I really got behind the movie. I like. Well, I liked all the actors in it. Some of them didn't do a. Uh, particularly good job as you know from the review um, what <laughs> but yeah i i really enjoyed it i i like the investigating um and the passion that came from uh, jake like further down like to you know i i've just i've got to do this um i like the style of movie like uh, it's based on Loosely based on um, factual evidence, yeah, it wasn't um, like uh, it's not loosely based. Like it's pretty it's, it's, well, you know, like yeah, like Fincher trying to be as accurate as he possibly could be, and that's what I really liked. I, I admit I saw Spotlight before this, yeah, um, and I I really liked the style of that, and it just it threw me back into that same. Sort yeah, of I mindset, that. and that's why I enjoyed it. This is honestly, this is tough for me. It's a pretty long movie, <laughs> and that's the one criteria I judge on. Criticism <laughs> no. I would add is it was very long and it didn't need to be. Yeah, and that is the problem. Like it didn't need to be thirteen hours worth of film. But in saying that, I actually found it to be thirteen very engaging hours. 
it's just it's a huge ask to sit down and have a movie go at you like a crawl. Like it feels like it's as long as it is. And that is the downside to it. Not the length, but the feeling it gives you when you're going through it. But in saying that, I really enjoy where it goes. I really enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal. I really enjoy Mark Ruffalo. Robert Downey Jr., I wasn't in love with him this film, but you know what? He disappears half an hour into it for pretty much most of the film. A little, you know, cameo here and there, but he's he's you know, he's written off. He's great. And the ending is pretty good in my books. I like the being a bit ambiguous. I like the little tease we get towards the end where we have that scene where Gyllenhaal's in the basement with you know, a suspect of the murders is absolutely fantastic. And I wish the film was more of that. The part that I'm struggling with is I know with what film we got that there is a much better version of this film that does exist and it's, it's nowhere near what we got with this one. But this film's still pretty good. Like I really, these these are the kind of things that I can get into when it comes to like scary films. Like I say scary, (laughs) not because it's always like it wasn't nonstop scary, but like the certain parts that triggered me with like the murders and being trapped in the basement. That is stuff that I will respond to in in a horror sort of scenario, and that it did it really well. So we all like to be scared, and I like to be scared apparently thirteen hours at a time. So I'm going to go yes, but. It's really telling, Seb, that when you pick two horror movies, you pick The Frighteners. That's a horror comedy, though. I'll admit to that. And this movie. Neither of which I would call horror. No. Well, I don't... Like I said, though, I don't do horror. Like, if, you, if I had to pick a horror movie that I like, I'd be struggling. I, I do like the first Exorcist film, but apart from that, I couldn't... I can't even think to name one that I would I know that I'm going to enjoy. Have you seen The Babadook? No, I've got it though, but I haven't watched it yet. But I think you should watch that. It's sitting there waiting for me to have a go at it. But Do I, it on a dark night. Oh, good. But, I mean, I, I've, I've read a little bit about that and whether you want to classify it as like supernatural horror or not, they also tend not to interest me all that much. I like grounded horror and I don't mean like, I don't want to find out, oh, Freddy Krueger was a computer program all along. See, it's grounded. No, I don't want that shit, but I want... <laughs> like, I don't think anyone would make... No, but you know what I'm saying. Like, um, as for Saw, though, I'm also not a, a gore fan like that. That stuff I don't respond to. Like, I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh, that sure is gross. Well, the first one wasn't that gory. The first one is definitely more kind of like psychological. The, uh, the, the question of whether or not you can inflict all this pain on yourself to eventually survive. Yep. They got progressively gorier. And that's why I'll drop off. And I have seen the first one. It's it's fine. I was again, again not in love with it. It's not my it's not my wheelhouse. And I know I know that. But ugh, I struggle. I just for me, the more real it is, the better. And I don't want real as in what happens when your arm cut, is cut off. I want real as in, you know, interpersonal horror for lack of a better term to describe it. And that, this does it for me. horror. I said that the first time, and now I'm using it. I want to use, I'm pulling out the thesaurus. I'm going <laughs> a different version of the same thing. But yeah, it is, this isn't a sit down, have, a pop, have some popcorn kind of movie though. This is a sit down, hold on, not because this movie's taking off without you, but because you'll fall behind naturally. I absolutely think this is sit down with popcorn and a bottle of wine and get drunk and wake up when the movie ends. Oh. <laughs> no, I, you're, you're being mean. It's no, not, I find I found it's it dry, incredibly boring. I don't know. I'll agree. It's a dry film, but the elements of realness to it hold me, hold me with it. Yeah, that, that's fine. But they, but like, there are better versions. Like okay, they, Seven's very different, but also just for the same director, another mysterious serial killer crime drama, so much better than this film. But then there's such a pacing difference between Seven and this. And I think that's where it comes in. Um, we, I guess we, who's going to do the thing? That's you. Is it me? Oh, okay. Yeah. You picked the movie. What am I doing? Um, hmm. I want gore. My favorite. That's my wheelhouse. You're welcome. I want supernatural. <laughs> 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 okay, cool. So, <laughs> are you guys familiar with the Batman villain Calendar Man? Yes. No. Uh, he kills only on like listed holidays. Like he'll kill on Halloween and kill on Valentine's Day. Like he kills on all the like listed. Right. Yeah. Similar concept to this. Every change of the lunar cycle when a new star sign would be taking 
it's it's time. He will. This person will track down. So I say person. I mean, I meant supernatural spirit. Will uh, <laughs> track down and kill someone that was at the time the person born closest to the tick over of the new day. So if you're born at midnight and one second, and you're the first Capricorn, that's who it will come after. No, but because it's supernatural, it only kills people that are 18 or above because it needs to hit people of a certain level of age because it's supernatural. I also don't want, I don't want babies being hunted down because that seems like a really boring movie. <laughs> or it, a it terribly needs, disturbing movie. It needs a matured and, and uh, spoiled uh, spirit, right? That's the thing. For its ghost powers. Yeah. So it's hunting them down. And first uh, Robert Downey Jr. cracks onto it as a criminal journalist and he's like, oh, there's something going on there. And he meets his writer slash supernatural aficionado buddy played by um, Jake Gyllenhaal. And they, they start cracking down on the case. But that's, oh, no, they've been found by cop slash supernatural detective Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> and the three of them team up as some sort of, dare I say, awesome or possibly shit Ghostbusters trio remake, sleeper sequel. Um sequel reboot to the ghostbusters and now it's about an a cartoonist a criminal investigator um investigative investigative journalist and a pi slash ghost hunter teaming up to save new york probably were they from, in new york they are now i thought they were in la ghostbusters is in new york so all right but yeah. how are the people are dying oh this is the best part i hope i haven't thought of it yet now <laughs> What the ghost does is... Okay, so every star sign of the guys, you're familiar with most of them, yeah? They've all got like their animal counterpart, well, mostly. It'll take the form of something like that. So we're talking like giant scorpions, giant crabs, goat fish, whatever. Capricorns. What about Aquarius? What's an Aquarius symbol again? It's like an urn with water. I can play this into it. That's the, <laughs> that's the spirit's true form. Virgo, it takes play, it takes the form of a very beautiful a woman. Virgin. Yep. Anyway, what it does is it gets uh, depending on its form. Like Virgo will like sleep with people and just like absorb them into dust through its demon vagina. Um, <laughs> crab one will just cut off limbs. Scorpion one will spike people, causing them to like puff up and explode out of themselves like Planet Terror. Um, I suppose I asked for gore. You did. Um, my favourite is the true spirit form where we actually fly into someone and then just com- explode them into like a meat sack out of themselves. It's a very violent killer, but it does vary on who it's killing and what their star sign is. Cool. And then it's Definitely um, a more exciting movie. And oh, I mentioned the climax, guys. They realise that tomorrow is the first day of the Taurus. And they check the city records and, oh, no, Mark Ruffalo is next. His birthday. He was born so close to midnight. It's coming after him. It's a race against the clock. That's what you guys get. And then they all die. Well, no, one of them might die because it can only kill the person that's listed. It's like the Frighteners again. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. The end. That you sounds, happy? That sounds like a lot of work. Not for me. I'm not making it. <laughs> I would never make this. Good. All right. Well, there you go. That was not as horrible as I thought it would be. I, if that was a movie coming out, I'd go see it. <laughs> you don't <laughs> understand. You can turn into a crab or a goatfish. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's, uh, it's not a mystery. Like we know what it's going to turn into. But like as an audience, we haven't yet seen what it's going to turn into. So oh, that's the, that's no. the fear. Because one, you'll always be sitting like after a giant crab and a giant scorpion, you'll be expecting like a giant ram. Well, that's when it turns into a tiny microscopic ram and you see it go through someone's like eye and down into their body and then just like destroy their heart from within and then there's con- their chest just concaves in like a black hole and sucks all of them into themselves and they're gone. No one suspects the miniature ram. No one suspects the miniature ram. Good. It's good, right? Apparently my version of gore is chest black hole. It's, it's nice. I like it. <laughs> good, you better. Okay, thank you for listening, everyone. So if you want to get in contact with us, there are a number of ways to do it. You can go to our website, which is secondtakepodcast.com. 
or you can email us because we have one of those things. We are second take podcast at gmail.com. And always we've got Facebook, you know, Facebook slash second take. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. That yeah. one. Or second take podcast. You, you find it. Yeah. And Twitter at second take TNC. Or we we have an Instagram, funnily enough. Sometimes we post video. No, well, actually, we have no videos. No videos of pictures, yet. though, that are funny. There was, there was a quite a smart tweed jacket on there the other day. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, I got bored. Um, <laughs> really. Also, um, if you guys want to support the show, we also have a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Second Take. Um, this is a, a, a big variety of ways that you guys can give to us. It starts as little as $1 per month, which is 12 bucks a year. And it's it's pretty, pretty low and pretty simple. But we've also got sort of a group goal going at the moment there. So once we hit our first target, which is collectively uh, $50 a month, we're going to release uh, all of our reviews of the Monty Python film series. Uh, and then yes. the idea is ongoing from there for every little milestone we hit, we're going to do extra series for everyone. So sort of a... So please go on and sponsor us so that we can review the Monty Pythons because I can't watch them until then. It's true. We're not it's, allowed to watch any yeah. movies unless we're reviewing them. <laughs> and and yeah, if you want to have a listen to any of the other podcasts that any of us are on, um, go to that's not kind of productions.com, which is the mothership for all of the other po- all of our other podcasts. Yeah. yeah. In one of them, I'm a wizard. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I get to torture that wizard. It's even better. <sighs> and maybe just one day... There'll be solo podcasts that we do. That solo you can find podcasts, there. yeah, where we just talk at ourselves. Yeah, yep. The good. best kind of Fun. podcast, no interruptions, right? Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> none of none of this over talking of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to think fans will literally pause just to be like, "That's that's not true. <laughs> that's not how that works." <laughs> just because it's you in the room by yourself, Sam, doesn't mean you're incorrect. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> good, good. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for listening. And go do all the things on social media. Hooray. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.